Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined a return appearance back from the dead. We did have a zombie episode, which nobody ever heard except us. Nick Kruger. Nick, how's it going? Woody, I, I mean, I've been waiting all day for Sunday night and the awards of the immortal Carrie Underwood <laughs> just for this podcast. So I heard they're bringing that song back. Did you hear that? Uh, I've I I remember I remember seeing some content about that. I I haven't been around to actually watch a Sunday night football game at the beginning, so I can neither confirm nor deny if they've actually implemented new song. Uh, although I do I do uh, notice that you guys got a new theme song here since I've been gone. Uh, well, it depends. Which one did I just play? I don't even. I can't ever hear it. It wasn't the it wasn't the one that I was familiar <laughs> with. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, I must have played the wrong one. Then there's we do have we did you know Rob decided that we needed a new one for some reason, uh, even though he's never listened to the podcast. <laughs> he was tired of hearing ten seconds of it. So uh, so M Deuce did send us a new one. So that might have been what played. Although a lot of these episodes have been having no music thanks to uh, our uh, continuing problems with ZenCaster. That's right, shots fired ZenCaster. Um, uh, as I've been having to edit these late into the night, and I've just been cutting the music out to, to save time. So, well, maybe maybe now you have a little bit more appreciation for when I was on the scene. Yeah, pff, believe me, I well. <laughs> speaking of Rob, yeah, I definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Nick is uh, out of the media business, but guess what? That frees him up to come join me and talk about the games. Yesterday, we spent all day watching uh, the games, texting back and forth, agonizing over them. So let's jump right into it. Nick, Georgia, game of the week by far. Uh, they, they hold on to beat Notre Dame 23-17, to a game that I prognosticated would be a, a much bigger blowout. Uh, Georgia kind of had a chance to, go, to really put the game away when they were up 20-10 uh, to 10 instead. He kicked the field goal, which I think some people thought was odd. Uh, I know I did. I saw some people on Twitter, but it, eh, no harm, no foul. They end up winning twenty-three to seventeen. Uh, they held on. What did you think? Did Georgia look as good as you thought? Notre Dame surprise you? Well, okay. So, so by the time we got to the Georgia Notre Dame, let, let me just let me just preface my all my thoughts on all these games that we're going to talk about. I mean, you tell me if you feel like. There was uh, maybe it's just from my own personal experience with the picks, with our, you know, with what we were watching, what we were talking. I don't feel. I mean, there were so many bad beats this week, right? And when we came, we, when we came into this game, I, what did the line settle at? I think it, I think it got up to fifteen and a half for Georgia. But I mean, generally it was sitting around fourteen points. And here we are. What did they win? The, thirteen points. The majority majority of the people saw a fourteen point line for most of that game, and here we are talking about a thirteen point win after. I mean. And, and and we had everybody. We had all the media talking about Georgia was going to run up and down the field on them. I mean, it was just going to be you know it was it was going to be a stampede of Georgia offense <laughs> here on Notre Dame. And what did we get? You know, well I'll tell you what we got. We got uh, Jake Fromm throwing it twenty six times, which I think a lot of people didn't see coming. Uh, twenty six to thirty three rushing attempts. Georgia did not have a, a running back go over a hundred yards rushing, which is pretty crazy. You know, and and when we talk about here, let me see what, what did Fromm end up with here at the end of this game? One hundred and eighty-seven uh, yards on this. Oh, I mean, you, you know, I, I listen. I I know you watch you you now 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 that I'm my locale is out in the Lone Star State. I don't quite watch as much SEC football as I once did, but I feel like we get these games with Georgia sometimes where you know, for as good as everybody has 
I mean, we 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 go way back with Jake Fromm. I mean, we've seen the arm talent on some level. I mean, we're aware of his abilities. I feel like there's times where it's just like you know we, the the reputation, uh, the reputation gets out of, gets out ahead of of actual performance sometimes in some of these big games for him. Yeah, it was a lot of check down, a lot of check down Charlie situation. I mean, when they were like, oh, he's. I think it was at some point. I mean, like you said, when you complete 20 of 26 passes, you assume you're going to have more than 187 yards, you know? Uh, so I don't know. I just think it was a little bit of conservative. I, one thing you want to talk about something that's, that's bothered me today, you know, uh, now all of a sudden everyone's decided, Oh, well, Notre Dame got the monkey off their back from losing to Clemson last year. And no, they keep, they just because they lost, they end up losing by six, by the way, I use this. You, you mentioned it was 13. They scored a late touchdown almost winning it doesn't count as anything they still lost you know like oh they went into georgia and they lost but they only lost by six it's like i'm sorry you you lost like they it'd be one thing if they were 50 50 in these games they keep losing them now great they didn't get blown out but i i really don't think notre dame deserves a ton of credit for not getting blown out well Right. And, and the way the way it works with Notre Dame is like, I mean, you know, they outside, outside of the, the championship run they had a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, they're they're a consistently good team, but that's that's generally what we get from them. I mean, we you know, for here's the, the, the culture of college football and all the tradition and, you know, winning programs and, you know, the teams that go way, way back. And it's like I think I think that shades the opinion of what we're actually getting in, in you know, and more recent products and renditions of teams. I mean, we Notre Dame's been Notre Dame's been about this level of productivity now for what the better part of the last decade. Where you know they're they're good enough to they're good enough to be in the conversation. And you know, and how much further do we get from there? Yeah, and now now I think I got this game circled next week when they play Virginia. I think that that's at home. But I like Virginia. I think that's going to be a very competitive game. And I think there's a little bit of a letdown. P- potential there they, then they play you uh, that's that, well all right well do I'm, i i i will say that as somebody as somebody that was that has a that has a rooting interest in virginia's season win total i mean they had to come from behind to beat florida state who we know has had all kinds of problems this season i'm looking at the i'm looking at the squad i didn't watch virginia no, they struggle. obviously they're playing yeah, old well, dominion yeah, it's get it's getting it's getting a little. I mean, they're four and zero, but it's a little dicey here for Virginia. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I'm willing to. Wait, is the game no, in Virginia or is it in Notre, Notre Dame? Dame? Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know because here's the other thing that we've been getting with, and, and this is what this is what Snake bit me this week, right? And, and we've had a lot of we, we spent a lot of time talking on Saturday about Michigan State, and you could say the same thing about UCF. We're seeing these teams. Uh, win these games in in a or or lose these games in a certain fashion. Come back the next week, and then it's a different product than what you what you thought you were getting from before. Uh, and also in conjunction with the teams that they're playing, right? I mean, you know, we, you could have thought you could have thought that Pittsburgh would have kept it within a couple of scores in that game, but did you expect them to pull the upset against UCF? No way. I mean, not the way that they were flinging it around against Stanford. Uh, with the new quarterback. So, and, you know, and it was a competitive game, but Pittsburgh still won and easily, I mean, I mean, didn't just cover one outright. So I'm not sure this, this might be a, this might be a door swings the other way for We'll see if the monkey came off the back for, for Notre Dame, I guess, to, you know, to use the phrase that you, right. The rest, but I'm just saying the rest of their schedule is not hard. The, the toughest game they probably have left now is USC. I would say, unless you count Virginia, um, <laughs> 
boy, we did, coming to another room. We got we got different podcasting issues. People walking in and out <laughs> over here at the home front. Um, the USC game's the toughest, and then I would probably say, uh, I mean, Michigan. That was supposed to be a hard game. Michigan stinks, as we'll talk about later. So uh, enough Notre Dame. Well, USC USC had a swing back too. I mean, they you know they I I was heavy on Utah this week, considering you know what we. Maybe maybe that's just what happens when you play a freshman quarterback and you don't quite know what you're going to get on a week to week basis, and it's a crazy situation out there at USC, though. All right, Georgia. This is a big hurdle for them. I think they are going to have some tougher games, though. And I, I really don't think. First of all, you're not going to beat. You know, the ultimate goal for them is to make the playoff and to win the SEC. I don't think you're going to beat Alabama. You know, rushing for <laughs> less than a hundred yards. You know what I mean? Like or not having a 100-yard rusher, excuse me. I think they did end up breaking as a team. They had 152, yeah. But, I mean, you know, you, you're you going to have to do a lot better than that when it comes uh, to play Alabama. And I know they match up they match up great, and they may, they may be playing LSU. Who knows? But uh, Georgia's schedule, the way it shakes out, you know, Auburn is looking more and more legit on a weekly basis. We'll talk about that game later. But, but boy, they, they have next week off and they play, they go to Tennessee, they play South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri. So, I mean, their next five games, I would be shocked if they weren't double digit favorites in every game. I know Florida's ranked high, but I still think they're going to easily be a uh, big favorite. Well, we'll there, see. So. We'll see what happens. Missouri gave them trouble last year. Missouri's a, I guess we could say an objectively better team this year than they were last year. Uh, Missouri might be a tricky one for them if they don't get it, but right. but but they have the advantage. If is that the order of games that they play? Yeah, I mean that's what like six weeks down the road. I mean they might be a completely different. They'll have the they'll have the wheels turn in the right direction by then. I mean just to talk about the conversation though with you know between Georgia and Alabama. I mean you know I was actually going back and listening to, uh, <laughs> I was actually listening to the podcast the other day that we did after the national championship game when Georgia played Alabama, and that was another game where Fromm had his you know, Fromm had his issues. It, it, it was a I, I remember that game vividly. I mean you know sailing some passes and um, just just not really a true freshman in that game. Well, right, but I mean yeah, but well how do, how I mean how do you want to frame it? I mean you know the. He was a true freshman, and then Justin Fields came in, and everybody was on Fields' watch. And where's Fields now? And and we're talking about Fromm being a you know wherever he is in the SEC of top quarterbacks, but he's thrown for 180 yards against Notre Dame. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, listen, I'm not going to knock them for winning. They they took care of business, and I. But like I said, I I think they could have easily won by more, but. Uh, you know, th- this is a good test for them early, but I think they definitely are going to have to turn it up a notch, especially at the end of the year when they have to play Auburn. I think that's probably the next, obviously, game they stand where they might have a chance to uh, lose Auburn and they play Texas A&M, I think, uh, after that. So speaking of Auburn and Texas A&M, this was a game that you watched a lot of. I just – it was so boring. <laughs> Every time I turned it on, I found myself drifting away. Auburn goes to Texas A&M and wins 28-20. to uh, Texas A&M made a late charge there to, to make it a one-score game. It really wasn't that close. I think it was 21 to three at oh, one point. Oh, yeah. No, it was not close. But, you know, I wasn't actually watching. I was watching. This was a GameCast game for me. I had three other games on and had the little GameCast thing going. But, I mean, I'm happy I wasn't watching it. <laughs> I mean, Speaking of <laughs> as somebody who's, whose last professional incarnation was covering Texas A&M, I'm glad I didn't have to think about 
<laughs> the fallout of that thereafter. How about our boy Bo Nix, uh, who led us to a championship, as you remember, uh, speaking of your last professional incarnations. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Bo, Bo goes 12 of 20 for 100 yards. Yeah, I mean, that's not pretty, right? Well, I, yeah, I guess, but I mean... In the, they, context, in the context of the game, so what was the narrative coming into that game? Oh, everybody said, oh, it's, it's a big game at Kyle Field. How will you handle the atmosphere? There's nothing like playing in Kyle <laughs> Field. All these people singing songs and stuff and the marching band weaving in and out of each other. And, uh, you know, and there's, there's all kinds of things. that You know, I mean... He can't, they they jumped they jumped out to a, a couple. I mean, they were winning by two or three scores for the better part of that game. I mean, how how much was he? Did he really need to do? I think the yeah, I think the situation with Bo Nix. I mean, as a, as a consider considering coming into the season, right? Auburn, Auburn people didn't know what to make of Auburn. Were they gonna Were they gonna be better on offense? Were they gonna Is Malzahn on the hot seat or isn't he? You know, they have a, they had like a lot of weird questions coming into this season that weren't like necessarily positives. And here you are coming in with a with a, a true freshman quarterback. If as long as they keep winning, if he looks, he doesn't even have to. I don't even think his numbers have to be like that great on a week to week basis. As long as he shows that he, like you know, when you watch a game and you can see when it starts to, you know, click a little bit more on a week to week basis for Bo, I think that's what we're going for here. If I'm an Auburn fan, yeah, and they did do a nice job running the ball. I mean, they, they did. They really didn't have a huge, huge game, huge day statistically, but I. I also don't think they they necessarily needed it because, uh, like you said, they were kind. Of, this is almost like what what Clemson did to Texas A and M, where it was pretty clear that they weren't going to come back. Uh, Texas A and M does not have a running back. I, I just they they had twenty one carries for fifty six yards, and nine of them were uh, and twenty six of those yards came from Kellen Mond. I mean, uh, when their running back got hurt, I mean they just they don't seem to have anybody behind him there. I mean Jacob. Kadobi, do you remember him? I have no, I don't remember him at all. He wasn't the guy. They they had a uh, all right. They had a Isa- Isaiah Spiller also got six carries for nine yards. I seem to remember. Uh, yeah, that's not great. Well, he's not a burn. Well, so so the problem is okay. So coming into the season when you're Texas A and M, you had Deshaun Corbin and you had Isaiah Spiller, and Spiller is a guy that's a a solid running back. Does a little bit of everything very well, but doesn't do but doesn't do anything that's like. I mean, we we saw him in a number of camps. I can't remember if he was at a five star challenge or not. I don't think he was, but but he but I mean, we saw we saw plenty of him as a high school prospect, and he did a lot of really nice things, but didn't have like didn't have like an extra gear as a runner, or didn't um, you know he he made like spectacular catches sometimes downfield, but then would also drop some easy ones. I've seen in like seven 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 on seven tournaments and things like that, and you know so minor lapses of concentration. But but when you had when you had what Texas A and M uh, theoretically had coming into the season with Deshaun Corbin, who's a guy that could be, you know, lightning in a bottle. Uh, last year, Corbin was great because he was like a, a great change of pace for what they had with um, uh, the other uh, Travion. Yeah, Travion Williams, Williams, right? Yeah. Um, but now, as a starter coming in, I mean that that change of pace—you're not the change of pace guy anymore. You set the tone, and Spiller is not a change of pace back, right? Because he's not as dynamic as Corbin was spelling Travion. So now, with Corbin out of the picture completely, it kind of—I eh, don't—I don't want want to say it like limits what you do, but like you're the potential—the potential for a bang type play just isn't the same at all anymore. With with Texas A and M as far as the ground game is concerned, and and you know we were talking about um, 
you know, we were talking about Mond. I mean, a lot of people praise his demeanor as kind of like an unflappable, always cool. You know, obviously he's got a he's got a background coming in of of coming up, uh, you know, turning in some big performances in some big spots, whether you know they, they won or lost. Um, but now I I almost I I kind of feel like sometimes it's like maybe he's a little too laid back, you know, and there's just not necessarily always like that sense of urgency to really, you know, snap him into the you know make make like a make like a boom throw and you know show some emotion and get everybody you know get get the juices flowing and all that stuff right. you know what i mean well the te- texas a just has a brutal schedule and this is just part of their gauntlet they're two and two now i just can't believe it the fact that they scheduled clemson as a non-conference opponent they stopped to play alabama georgia and lsu <laughs> Come on. They have to play the number two, three, and four teams, and they've already played one and eight. How's that? Take that for data. Well, I mean, you know, now it looks bad, but coming into the season, you know, if things were on a positive trajectory and you and things were going well for them, I mean, they'd be a lock for the playoffs, right? Even if, even with the loss to Alabama. Right. With that with that schedule, they could they would be in the. Conversation. I agree, but they would yeah they would have had to either beat Clemson or Alabama. But uh, I think you know there's eight and four is still very much in discussion here. But based based on they play Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Uh, I guess I guess no, excuse me. I'm looking at seven and five, assuming they lose the Georgia, LSU, and Alabama. So, uh, but you know, guess what? They didn't do many. <laughs> do any favors with this schedule sorry jimbo i don't i don't care if you're making a hundred million dollars uh you know this is definitely gonna be a step back here especially with the injuries all right let's move on and keep it rolling uh texas and oklahoma state this was a game uh that that turned out to be one of the better games of the night it was going on the same time as as georgia i think kind of got lost in the shuffle texas wins 36 to 30 i think they were they were losing uh at one point there i think it was like 23 to 21 it was a, the score was a, was very weird the whole game, but Spencer Sanders, much controversial, has a huge game for Oklahoma State. Almost leads him back. Had 109 yards rushing, 268 passing. But old Sam Ellinger, oh man, uh, he continues to get the job done. Four touchdowns, uh, five touchdowns. No, no, excuse me, four. I thought he ran for one too. So uh, I and the the column which uh, I was I do for Yahoo every week. You know, I reached out to our boy Anwar at. Uh, uh, Orange Bloods, Texas. Speaking of making a playoff, if they win out, they can make it. If if they only have that loss to LSU, yeah, uh, you know, and that's an. I can't remember what I was doing. I came. I had to step out. I, I caught most of the second half of that game, so I didn't really see what was going on with uh, with those guys early in the in the process. But but yeah, I mean, you know, when you're talking about Spencer Sanders, like that was. He made he completely made the right decision going to well I guess he was actually down to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State there was a little bit of conversation about Oklahoma and now when you consider what he might have been able to do for Lincoln Riley you know it maybe is a little different conversation but I mean when you look at what Oklahoma State does offensively um, you know that's a much better situation for him than the guy that they had last year I can't even remember his name because he was he was a statue back there and then we saw a noticeable dip and production from from Oklahoma State's offense last year I mean and in, in, uh, in terms of consistency and um, just overall results and now you know now you finally have a guy in Spencer Sanders who's not I mean I think he I think he tore both ACLs <laughs> over the course of his career already um, but he's still 
he still shows the boldness of wanting to get out and run. I mean, we, we were watching the end of that game there right before Ellinger made that big run to seal it the drive before, or didn't Sanders have that run? He, that Michael, you remember that Michael Vick play against the Vikings <laughs> where the two defenders ran into each other? He, he did the same thing to the Texas guys on the sideline there and cut back in and, and had a big run. So, I mean, you know, San, Sanders is a good, is, a, is definitely a great um, quarterback option for Oklahoma State, regardless of, you know, what his original uh prognostication might have been as a prospect i i don't know i don't know if sanders again i don't know if sanders is is the guy that um you know that we're seeing at oklahoma state if he goes anywhere else but but i mean good by him for making that pick trusting in gundy i mean you know and this is another woody this is another bad i think the line opened it's it's seven seven and a half if you take oklahoma state in that scenario you're you're in good shape but i mean it closed at five five and a half and here we are with texas just getting out with a six point win (laughs) okay so you want to hear a good story okay. about that? So on the podcast, when we recorded, uh, I picked it. Let me see. Uh, Texas was minus five and a half, right? Yes. So Texas covered on my pick on the yes. thing. But when I told you, I said, bet on Oklahoma State there, plus seven. Right. <laughs> and then I don't I don't know. Did you get them at plus I didn't, seven? No, I, I didn't mess with that game. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I said take Oklahoma State plus seven. Guess what? They lost by six. I could have won both bets. <laughs> I could have bet both ways and won. I was right on the podcast, and I was right in real wow. life. So it was a great, great number for me. But, yeah, that, that was close. I mean, Oklahoma State looked like they were going to get the ball back, and Ellinger had the, the great play to seal it. Um, I like Oklahoma State. I like Sanders. You know what? I, I'm i looking back. You know why I hated him so much as a as a prospect? That was It was at that camp, and I just remember – yeah, yeah, and he was like a sophomore or something. I mean, he, he that was not a good camp for him. Right? He was ba- bouncing right. passes and things like that. But even even when I so I went to go see, in this game too. I mean, really, I mean they, they this was a great game for anybody that's interest you know had any has any sort of interest or has been following recruiting in the state of Texas. I mean, you know, stars galore for both teams from the Lone Star State. I mean. It, it was it, it would it was a really fun watch if you're you know you know if that's you know that's where your uh, <laughs> your interests lie. But but you, even when even when Sanders was at Ryan, it's like I was telling you during the game. I mean, he would put up he would put up big numbers for his high school team, and Ryan's a big program out of Denton. But I mean, again, like I I say volume passer, volume player. I mean that's that's what I've always said about him. That's still what he is. I mean, he needs the ball in his hands. He needs to be directly re- like he needs to be directly responsible for most of the offense to come out with the stat lines that he does because it's not always – I wouldn't say he's a high-efficiency quarterback. Yeah, but, I mean, look, Gundy's the right coach to – and like you said, he brings a different aspect than we've ever seen. Here's what I – here's – and I think our, our friend Josh McQuistian made this point on Twitter. If Sanders gave him – if Sanders gave the Texas defense this many problems, what is uh, Jalen Hurts going to well, do? Te- yeah, you know? yeah, and te- well, yeah, maybe. But te- Texas is uh, – got. I think they've got a lot of injuries right now. I think they're dealing with a lot of uh, – when, when's that Oklahoma-Texas game? In like two – or three weeks. Three weeks, yeah. I mean, they, they've had some – they've, they've been banged up. I was – you know – I, I wouldn't have strictly from what I remember from the injuries from the injury list from the week before I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been upset with anybody that bet Oklahoma to keep it close but maybe by three weeks I'll be healed up better shape. All right, so moving on, let's just kind of run through the games one by one. You mentioned Friday night USC uh, was an underdog at home. Their quarterback gets hurt 
who's already their backup, and Matt Fink, <laughs> who would have thought Professor Fink, comes in off the bench. This was a guy that I put in a story because his dad said he transferred to Illinois. And he's like, ah, he's transferred to Illinois. And then uh, the kid came out and was like, no, nah, I didn't transfer. <laughs> I'm staying at USC. A very weird situation, especially considering Illinois has like five players from USC on their team. Um, Fink comes in, leads them to an incredible, incredible victory. Played great. Uh, doesn't have this. He used to have this really funny hair in high school. And if you remember, he came to the, do you remember he was at the Under Armour game that year? And he had to, he was just terrible. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? In, in fairness to anybody who's ever competed at the Under Armour game, I mean, there's there's not really like an illustrious list of strong quarterback performances in the Under Armour. <laughs> right. There was a lot of Matt Stink jokes, do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's... You know, I, I don't remember Fink quite as well. That might be, you know, I've only got like a two-year window of, of me actually remembering who people are. So, I, I, well, he was like the only like low three-star quarterback there. But the, the bottom line is, uh, he did not Matt stink. He, he had 351 yards and three touchdowns against the vaunted Utah defense. Now USC has a lot of really good wide receivers, and he got on the ball. I mean, the the thing with their offense is it's, it seems like it's almost plug and play, uh, given the, the way these quarterbacks have played for them. And then, lo and behold, I don't know if you saw the news today, but Bryce Young flips from USC, you know, rivals 100 quarterback, flips from USC to Alabama. Did you see that? Uh, no. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the beauty of my situation now is I only have to worry about the, the you know, the players once, once they're on the teams now. I don't have to worry about them flipping from this school to that school anymore. Well, anyway, it was big news because they've been trying to do it for a long time. And some thought that the emergence of Slovis along with JT Daniels was enough for uh, for our boy Bryce to be like, I'm going to go to Alabama. But guess what? Mac Jones ain't just going to give that job up, you know? <laughs> well, you know, so before before the season, you and me had been you, – you and me were talking – because the story came out from Pac-12 Media Day as Utah was projected to win the whole shebang. And then you and me kind of went down the schedule. Did, do you remember? Did we – think that USC was going to be a win for Utah? Um, we came up with Utah finishing like nine and three. I think we might have said they won just because we figured it was going to be a lot of drama, but I don't know. Utah, we have them definitely losing to at Washington and they play Washington State this week, um, which we'll talk about later, and they played Cal. So maybe we did have this as a loss. I don't know. Washington's Washington all of a sudden becomes a weird X factor now for some of these Pac-12 teams because you're looking at SC's schedule because they got, yeah they got Washington next week then the Notre Dame game after. Uh, oh, you're talking about you're talking about USC. I'm talking about SC, but but if but if Utah if Utah isn't you know do, doesn't handle their business against Washington, Washington all of a sudden is in a nice little uh, nice little driver's seat right for the for the rest of the way yeah it's gonna be well usc right now if they beat washington it's all bets are off for them potentially winning because the rest of washington's schedule i mean yeah if they be because then they got stanford after arizona who knows but oregon's the only oregon and utah are back but then they finish with oregon state colorado and washington state who i'm couldn't be further out on after this week all right right. we'll get to that game uh So I like your passion, but yeah, Utah. Uh, I don't know. I told, I said on a couple of weeks ago on this podcast that I was getting nervous about Utah, and I just think they let too many teams hang around. You know, I love Tyler Huntley dating back to his days in high school, 
we famously do you remember when they used to do that Georgia against Florida thing out at like in Tucker yeah. and we'd be out there for like 12 hours or yeah, 15 hours yeah. he was there at, at that one year and, and I still it. tell stories about that because I remember I can't I, I can't remember which team did it we I was out there I was watching coaches administer IVs to players <laughs> yes, there's merits. during halftime yeah, was- like no rubber gloves <laughs> We're just we're just sticking the needle in there and we're going with it. You know, I said that to somebody. Somebody was, uh, oh, I know what it was. You know, as we're getting ready to 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 put down old Grizz the dog. You know, the next door neighbor is a vet, and I've been trying to get her to do it at the house, and she's like, "Well, I need you to bring him into the office so I can put the IV in." And I'm like, Psh, "I'll just call one of the Marist assistant coaches and have him come out and do it." The players were doing it themselves. Players- I mean that. <laughs> when I, you know what, you know what, when I was in high, now we're really derailing here. But when I was in high school, the big story was they they had built a they had built a whole separate building to the school, and and like the whole the whole appeal for it was there was like a like a, a college or not a um there there was like a medical curriculum, so it was like pre pre med, you know that like you could start taking these classes in high school. I don't know what Maris has got cooking. Maybe, maybe, maybe they got something going on like that. They all feel comfortable finding the vein and throwing it in there, and that, I wouldn't be doing that to myself. Well, the crazy way. thing was the kids were doing it to themselves and then holding the bag with like the other hand. It was definitely not sanitary, and not, I, that's like a new that is that that's like a new age way of uh, instead of just rubbing dirt on it and being tough. Like if you can stick yourself with the needle and hold the bag, <laughs> like that's. That's pretty tough, right? <laughs> yeah, and you're rehydrating. So. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, moving on real quick. Boise State, another Friday night game, beats Air Force 30-19. to I did not watch this game, but Boise keeps moving along. And with UCF's loss, which we'll talk about next, they are now in the driver's seat for that uh, you know, New Year's Six game that, that one of these group of five teams gets. So Boise now in the, driver, in the driver's seat. If they can win out, they're going to get it for sure. Now we'll see what happens with UCF. But, uh, you know. They, if they can do it, they'll get back in that big stage. Uh, speaking of UCF, they fall behind twenty-one to nothing, which was crazy. Uh, they just they came out flat against Pitt. Pitt, by the way, you know we we talk about a lot about these teams in the bowl games not wanting to play UCF. Pitt was so ready to play UCF, and I made a joke on the preview show about the I didn't expect the crowd to be much of a factor. Crowd was a factor. Uh, UCF falls behind 21 to nothing and then proceeds to score 31 straight points to go up 31 21. You're like, okay, UCF's got it. And then they go, Pitt goes on this drive. Were you watching? I know we were chatting during, but were you watching? Uh, yeah, no, I, I watched most of that game. I didn't watch the end of it because I think once UCF started pulling out ahead, I was focusing, I started, I turned my attention elsewhere because it just seemed like. The ship was right. Let me uh, <laughs> let me get to this play when Pitt scored to make it. Uh, so so UCF uh, goes up um, thirty one to twenty one, and you assume that the game is is over, right? You, you said so. <laughs> so Pitt gets the ball. Uh, Pitt gets the ball, and then they 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 first and ten. Okay. Kenny Pickett, pass complete for seven yards. Second and three, UCF penalty, face mask, 15 yards. Cam good. which It was not a Cam good game for him. I can tell you that right now. I should check the pro football focus grades on him. No, the comments started early. You're right. So so he gets a 15-yard face mask, right? Um, 
which is this is not like a debatable penalty. Okay, next play, first and 10, Kenny Pickett, pass complete, UCF penalty, roughing the passer 15 yards, okay, right? Yeah. Next play, first and 10 at the UCF 17, Kenny Pickett runs for 11 yards, UCF penalty, personal foul. So three personal fouls on one drive, and our, our boy Cam Good only has is listed here once in the score sheet, but uh, yeah, that was definitely <laughs> that was definitely costly. And then later in the game, um, it got down to fourth and five. Okay, this is with UCF up thirty-four to twenty-eight. It's fourth and five uh, with two minutes eleven seconds left. Pitt. Goes to snap the ball, and our boy Cam Good jumps off sides <laughs> for a five-yard penalty automatic. I mean, what, like, what do you think? I mean, what was the issue there for UCF? Like, why, why were all these discipline? Were they anxious? Like, well, that that guy is a transfer from Virginia Tech. Um, speaking of Under Armour All Americans, uh, so I don't know. Maybe he was. Maybe he was in that stage. I don't know. You know, he had three or four penalties. But the bottom line was, when UCF got up thirty-one to twenty-one, I think they they much like you who turned it off to pay attention to other stuff. They thought they had it under control, and there was a, there was a lot of trash talking going on among the two teams. And like, there are a lot of players from Florida on Pitt's roster, and I also think that had a lot to do with it. I mean. You know, UCF had a few different occasions. Let's see. They turned it over. They went for it on the pit 15-yard line with, with uh, let's see how much time was left in the game, eight minutes left and didn't get it. So they went for it in that one, up 31 to 28, right? Well, then, you know, with, with, uh, with four minutes left on the pit 11, they kicked a field goal to go up by six, which proved the point that was meaningless to go up by six because then Pitt scores a touchdown and, and you lose with the extra point. So uh, I also think Dylan Gabriel, the freshman quarterback from UCF, he definitely had a little deer in the headlights at the beginning of the game. He settled down. He ended up finishing with uh, 338 yards passing. A lot of them were like – they were running these NCAA football. Remember we used to run like uh, – Send like four, four verts. Four yeah. <laughs> they were doing that. They were just doing that. And he was just throwing the ball straight up in the air. I remember, you know, a friend of the show, Brent Haberly, who was a college football player, used to think he was better than me at NCAA football. And I would come and play him and I would just run that play over and over again. And that's what they did. Gabe Davis had 10 catches for 151 yards and two touchdowns. And Trey Nixon had seven for 136. But the problem is they were all just hitting the deep balls. There wasn't a lot of these UCF like quick screens and stuff like that. And so Pitt, Pitt deserves all the credit. This was not a fluke win or anything like that. They came out ready to play. They got aggressive at the end. They ran a trick play uh, to score the, the, the go-ahead touchdown. And then they snubbed out UCF at the end. So I was impressed with Pitt, um, you know, keeping, you know, and of course, the thing that drove me the craziest was during the game, it's like a back and forth fourth quarter. Every possession has meaning, every down. The announcers, which you've complained about, would not stop talking about UCF and the playoff. It's like, first of all, it's week four, you know? Second of all, they're never making the playoff. If they could beat Pitt by 100 points, it wouldn't matter, you know? Like, why are we having this meaningless discussion? And I saw some other people complain about it on Twitter as well. It's just like, can we just talk about this game? I understand if it's a blowout and we got time to fill, but 
But your boy, uh, was it Rod Gilmore? Is that who it was? Oh I think that's God. what you said. He I, just was I, going on. He's like, this is the point well, people make. It's like, yeah, they're going to lose, Rod. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he th- he said he said something else. Uh, I I can't remember the direct circumstance, but it was like Pitt scored off a off a thing, and he you know he made some comment like, and remember that was that was there was this penalty that happened right before that. It's like yeah, what difference does it make? They scored now, so it's like that has we know, <laughs> but 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 I don't want to talk about the the announcers. Um, I I just think that's imp- here. What, what do we think about for Pitt next week? Because that was a crazy motivational spot, right? I mean, they they had they had things going on for themselves. They had a big game against Penn State the week before. Lose lose a close one under controversy from the decision to kick the field goal or whatever. Then they come out against you know former former world champions of the world UCF and uh, get themselves up for that game. Oh, next week they got Delaware, so forget about it. Yeah, they got a pretty easy. Game. Well, Delaware, the, Duke, the, Duke, the ACC Duke, is not that oh. hard. Well, they they could win out on this schedule now. I mean, we're talking and if that's right, the if case. They, well, if they play, I mean, they played. Grief. You mentioned Penn State. They they had the ball at the one yard line, you know, down by seven to the number thirteen team at the time. They beat the number fifteen team at the time, UCF, and now their next hardest game is, is who? Syracuse, who's not having a good year. Miami Miami beat Central yeah, Michigan Syracuse seventeen to twelve. <laughs> if you saw that score with, with yeah. yeah, I mean, Disgusting. they play North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Boston College. Like you said, they could win out, which would be really amazing uh, for to have them go like ten and two the year they they uh, beat UCF. That would be funny. I, Reddit College Football had a funny comment because uh, he's always, you know, that that account is trolls uh, both ways, which I really enjoy, and they tweeted. Um, this is great news for UCF, who has a quality loss in the regular season for the first time in three years. <laughs> Which, because you <laughs> you hear that come up when they're debating the playoff teams, they're like, "Oh, they got a quality loss." So uh, that that made me laugh. But a uh, great win for Pitt, tough one for UCF. But guess what? They hadn't lost a regular season game in three years. So uh, all good things must come to an end. You want to talk about a snooze fest, Nick? Oregon and Stanford. Oregon wins twenty-one to six in a game that was. Beyond boring, Justin Herbert was 19 of 24 for 259 and three touchdowns. The problem is they just didn't let him pass. They just decided not to pass. Uh, they were, you know, Cristobal loves to run the ball. Oregon, 30 carries for 61 yards. How about that for some a, a good day of rushing? Uh, well, that's good. I mean, you know, when you, when you, I, I didn't watch this game mostly because – I don't think anybody – I mean, the way Stanford's been playing this season, I don't think there was ever any question that, you know, what the result was going to be for Oregon in this situation. Um, you know, and Stanford with their notorious uh, non-home <laughs> non field advantage uh, oh, yeah, to speak was, of. Yeah, there was no fans there. It was, it's, it was, it's bad. So, so I mean, why, why you know, let's let's minimize the risk on Herbert anyway because, I mean, if something happens to him, you know, whatever you make of your season is uh, – you know, in doubt at that point. So, so I, you know, yeah, was, Oregon came to do what they needed to do in that one. Right. And that seems to be the mood on, it's weird because there's, there is a weird debate going on. Oregon fans were, you know, visibly frustrated with the play calling, but Oregon media is for some reason, like these guys, these guys 
have no problem with the thing. It's like them celebrating. It's like, well, yeah, they won, but guess what? You're not going to be able to play a game like that against, you know, Washington or someone and win. I'm sorry. I just, it's, it's not going to happen. So I, I just found it odd that, that there's like a argument back and forth between, Oh, here we go. Tyson Alger tweeted a picture and said, I don't think any of these guys care if it was a boring win. And it's like the team celebrating. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, it was boring. Weren't you there? I, I, I sat through so many boring wins when I covered UCF and Georgia Leary, and I was still very bored, if, even if they won. So, uh, well, anyway. You know, hey, the thing to remember about Oregon now, as long as Auburn keeps winning, that is a quality win on their oh, schedule. Oh, yeah, Clark quality loss. <laughs> um, lo- yeah, loss. <laughs> moving on, Clemson beat Charlotte 52-10. to 10. Clemson played 111 players in this game, Nick. I didn't even think, wow. I didn't realize they would have had that. Yeah. I'm used to them taking like 15, 16 <laughs> players each recruiting class. So how did they come up? It's a lot of walk-ons, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Great day for us. T- Trevor Lawrence, two touchdowns. Chase Bryce, touchdown. Uh, who else we got on? Oh, nobody. No, nobody knows <laughs> what that means. Ches. It was a great Ches Malusi. What, what team? What team? What was our team name in that situation? Was that a team tumbler? Uh, performance. I can't remember. I, team tumbler. Yeah. Well, he, Verizon Media doesn't own Tumblr anymore, so we don't have to have that name ever again. Um, I think a lot of the guys they played were walk-ons, obviously. I think you got 85 scholarships, so that means you got 30 mm-hmm. dudes in who – I'm trying to look at the names here that, that made plays. I mean, they basically played everybody. They played freshmen. They, they, they went down the list. Um, so oh, they're just – I mean, you want to talk about Pitt's schedule being easy. Clemson does not have a ranked team on the schedule the rest of the way. So it's going to be a lot of mm, – yeah. which, by the way, Twitter – I don't know if you've noticed that. Have you seen that Twitter decided that Trevor Lawrence isn't good anymore? <laughs> yeah because what well, no i haven't i haven't seen that but i mean i've heard i've heard all sorts of people you know making 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 all kinds of discussions about how he only threw three interceptions all yeah. last year and started the season with you know four or something for the like first that, time so. this season trevor lawrence made it through a game without throwing an interception still has five and four mm-hmm. games after throwing Jeez. four and 15 games in 2018 well Wait. So okay. So what? So now the interesting. I think the. I think the only thing interesting thing to talk about as far as Clemson's concerned in this pretext is, what were the odds for uh, Lawrence to win the Heisman, and what are they at now considering his propensity to throw so many interceptions? <laughs> well, uh, they were down to like twelve to one or so. They, they've dropped considerably, and I honestly, I don't think he's going to win the Heisman now at this point because he's not going to be involved in any like. There's going to be no like Heisman performances, you know. I mean, if we're throwing if we're throwing thirty walk-ons into a game, right? It's just it, it, the thing is, I don't really know if he cares. Like, I, I don't think Trevor Lawrence came out and was like, "Hey, I need to win the Heisman this year." Um, which say what you want, maybe maybe he did, but uh, you know, based on spending time around Trev, something tells me I, I don't really, and I don't think he's really struggling. I mean. We'll see. Okay, he's thrown some interceptions. I, I know some of them have been tipped. I remember I went to a game in high school. Uh, he had four interceptions his entire junior year, right? And he was playing yeah. Westlake, which at the time had uh, A.J. Terrell, uh, who now is his teammate at Clemson, five-star. Uh, 
our boy Spider Sims, who was in the top 100, who's now at Georgia Tech after starting out at Michigan. And then they had a couple other DBs, one that went to Michigan State, uh, one that went to Washington State. So basically he's playing an entire college secondary, and he threw two interceptions in the first half. And I tweeted like, oh, after only throwing four interceptions all last year, Trevor has two in the first half. And boy, his dad was not happy with me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) over that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's not like you followed that up with a number one spot in the country is in question. You know what I mean? (laughs) You can tweet whatever. Who cares? Like, he was the number one player in the country. You can say whatever you want to about him. Oh, it's about time for Trevor to cut his hair, don't you think? It was a factual statement, though. That's the thing. So uh, I'm not worried about Trev. I think they're fine. I do worry a little bit. You know, obviously the Texas A&M game was big. I do worry about, like, Kind of like when we saw the Alabama last year, where they they beat teams so badly all year that when they got into a tight spot, uh, maybe they weren't necessarily seasoned. So I, I do worry a little bit about that. But uh, anyway, all right, moving on. Alabama beat Southern Miss forty nine to seven. Tua Tungavailoa <laughs> continues to have a great uh, season. Five more touchdowns. He's putting up huge numbers. Like, and that's the other thing you keep seeing is like, here's the comparisons between Tua and Trev, and it's like. I don't think uh, they both blew their teams out that they played. I, like I said, I don't think these. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, we, we, in the coverage of the day too. I mean, you know, we were watching. I, I was watching maybe three ESPN broadcast games, and they keep giving these cut-ins. Like, look at this play that Alabama did on Southern Miss. It's like, why are we cutting in for that? Like, what did we think was yeah, going to happen? Henry Ruggs you know? running by a bunch of people. <laughs> like, yep, uh, that's what we thought. So. Uh, LSU yeah. goes to Vanderbilt, puts up 66 points on the vaunted Vanderbilt defense, uh, which I think Rob said he liked when we were discussing the games. <laughs> he, yeah, he did pick Vandy plus 24. Uh, you know, sorry, uh, uh, Vanderbilt's defense uh, is not what it used to be. They lost a lot of guys to the NFL, and it's clear. How about Jamar Chase? Did you see a stat line from this game, Nick? Yeah, I saw the one. I saw the one play. Well, you know, I texted you because I I, I started watching this game just out of out of loose interest, you know, to see what was going on. And Vanderbilt scores first, and it's like, oh, buddy, we have a game here with you know, forty five minutes left to go in the entire thing. And then, uh, but the, yeah, and then Jamar Chase. I mean, what an appropriate last name because Vandy was chasing him all over the field, and he's just run, running this way and that. Yeah, he had ten people. catches for two hundred twenty nine yards and four touchdowns. So Jamar Chase, by the way, when he first started out as a recruit, coaches told me he was too slow and he would be playing tight end. Undersized. That's crazy. I mean, well, he was a thicker dude for sure. But, I mean, we've seen a number of dudes come out of Louisiana that have that thicker build and it doesn't really seem to affect the uh, overall productivity. Yeah, what's interesting is him him and uh, uh, Terrace Marshall were in the same class. Terrace was the five-star. Terrace broke his foot in this game. He had four catches for 75 yards, but his season looks like uh, it may be in jeopardy. He may not. He was going to be out for a while. I would have mean, he had surgery today. Uh, Racy McMath. <laughs> Do you remember what his nickname was? Droppy McPass. <laughs> he had five catches for 48 yards. So take that for that nickname. 
Wow, wow, geez. Well, maybe next week I'll get over 50. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't, Deuce Wallace did make an appearance in this game. Uh, speaking of uh, former recruits that we spent a lot of time watching, four of eight for 23 yards and a touchdown. Not really great for, for Vandy. So, Vanderbilt at 0-3. What's crazy is no one's really talking about them because all the attention's on Tennessee. The thing is they haven't played – they've played Georgia, Purdue, LSU. Um, so, they get to play – Northern Illinois, Ole Miss, UNLV. So they could be three and three headed into the Missouri game. Uh, it's going to be tough for them to make a bowl game. It's probably going to come down to that Tennessee game at the end of the year uh, for them they, if they want to try to get the six wins. But I think even that's going to be tough. So uh, LSU, LSU is awesome. I, I, I might be right now, if you, if you said, what do you got to make a pick? For LSU, Alabama, I'm picking LSU. How about you, Nick? I mean, I I would like that just for the variety element of the whole, uh, you know, the whole conversation there. I mean, you, I mean, if we're talking, if we're talking about quarterback Heisman odds, you know, Joe Burrows or he's he's probably moved in front. Yeah, of Yeah, I think he has, as as and they still have to play Florida, Auburn, Alabama, and Texas A and M. So he's still got a bunch of ranked games on the schedule. He's going to have the chance. It would be crazy if Joe Burrow won the Heisman. He was like kind of like an afterthought at Ohio State. By the way, did you? <laughs> Did you see the clip of Colin Cowherd asking Urban Meyer why he didn't recruit Joe Burrow? Yeah, it. Uh, no, it was not. Uh, it was super awkward. Well, what did he say? Try to play it. Uh, no. Okay. All right. It was really awkward. No. <laughs> well, it was just, just like it was like cringeworthy. Quick, like I mean, of of Colin, you know, doing his usual stick of shtick of like, hey, what's the deal? <laughs> How does a guy like Joe Burrow? Not, yeah, but Urban. How does a guy like but Joe Urban. Burrow not get recruited to Ohio State? And Urban was like, "Uh, Colin, uh, let's see. How, hold on, I got it pulled up. I got it. We got to hear it now that I've got it pulled up. You ready? This Joe Burrow kid. Okay. It's like LSU's a different program. Yeah. Oh my lord! I, I, they look. They look better than Clemson's looked this year. Tell me about Joe Burrow. Did you know him? Your connections to him? Well, first. Uh, uh, LSU, when I was in the SEC, every time we played them, I remember they'd come out of the tunnel and you'd look and say, how are we going to block these guys? <laughs> That's the best-looking team. We're one of the best-looking teams. Uh, Joe Burrow, we recruited him at Ohio State. He's from Athens, Ohio. His father is a longtime uh, defensive coach, was Frank Solich, his defense coordinator forever. Great family, incredible kid, tough as nails. Uh, he's developed into a pro prospect, and uh, I've talked to him quite often and uh, couldn't be more proud of what Joe's done. How did he get out of Ohio? Well, he signed. He played for us for three years. And then he moves on? He did a grad transfer. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins and uh, Joe oh. had the battle, uh, what was it, two years ago in spring. And it was, I mean, it was it was inches from who was our starting quarterback. And Dwayne won the battle. Joe left as a graduate transfer and played, obviously, starting his second year now. I mean, he's, really, he's the real deal. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Colin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but but you know what? He's Collins is saying he's saying that this season, but even last season, I mean, you know, he had Joe had his no, moments. No, no, he looks totally like different. I mean, they beat Georgia. He was year. great in that game, yeah. but there was definitely a lot of ups and downs last year. Um, anyway, I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> poor, poor Colin. Do a little research, Colin. Jeez. Moving on, Ohio that, State uh, beats you know, Miami of Ohio seventy-six to five. What a score, huh? Um, <laughs> just, I think I think yeah, Miami was winning two to nothing at one point. Had a, had a, had a two. Run. 
Yeah, what a score, right? It's a, it's a, it was a forty-two yeah, point I... second quarter for Ohio State. So that that, that safety really got <laughs> I think got Justin him, Fields had six touchdowns in the quarter. Um... You, you, well, you know what's funny is in other podcasts I was listening to, uh, you know, there's there, there's this, there's this other podcast I listen to. the ho- The host is a big Ohio State fan, and he's just been talking up. I mean, he's just been praising and praising and praising Ohio State for for hiring Ryan Day. They must know something that everybody else doesn't know. You know, Urban Urban signed off on him. Instead of, you know, they, they could have brought back Fickle, you know, they could have had their pick of the litter, but they knew something about, and, and they, and they come out in that first game and they could have ran up the score, but they held back. And I think that's a sign of intelligence for Ohio state, not play. So what are you talking about? They're saving all their energy for Miami of Ohio so they can blow them out by 71 points. Is that the, is that the logic well, that you're talking about here? You know how it is. These yeah, uh, we're scared sometimes about when you got scarlet colored glasses on. Uh, you just fall for a hook, line, and sinker. I, the thing is, Justin Fields is having some amazing games, and we knew he was very good, obviously. But uh, I want to see them play some good teams. They're, they're, they're ba- their schedule's kind of backloaded, but at the same time, I think they're going to be fair in every game. The game I like is Wisconsin on uh, October 26th. Other than that, Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan, I mean, yeah, they, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, just they're, run they're basically, uh, let's see, what are their chances to make the playoff at 59% according to uh, the old uh, college all-state playoff predictor. So uh, I like those chances uh, quite a bit. All right, next up, uh, let's see. Boy, Florida and Tennessee. Did you watch this game? I know I was, I was watching it. Uh, did you watch it with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually watched that whole game. So I did that specifically uh, so I could have a free yeah, listen, <laughs> I end up game. watching so much more of Tennessee than I ever should. Because a lot of times when they play bad teams, like the Georgia State game, you assume I'm going to watch it for five minutes and then I'm going to turn it off because Tennessee's going to be winning. And then they end up getting into like a dogfight and the next thing you know, they lose. And then the same with the BYU game. Uh, I didn't really watch – I didn't watch any of that game against Chattanooga. But, I mean – this was a game where Florida did not play like, you know, exceptional and it wasn't even close 34 to three. And the, the, everyone is just killing, uh, Jared Guarantano as, do, do you remember the time when we were interviewing him? And I said, is it, is it Jared or is it Jarrett or Jared? Do you remember that? He was young and he goes, he goes, Jared. And he had this like yeah. New Jersey accent. Jared. We were like, all right, so it's neither. Um, but anyway, yeah. speaking of Urban Meyer, they wanted him to go there. The Ohio State wanted him. He goes 10 of 17, 107 yards, two interceptions. He got pulled. They put in the backup, Brian Maurer, and he goes 4 of 11 with an interception. Yeah, but I, well, that's not. I don't think that's a fair conversation because I mean, it, it, think think about the think about the timeline of 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 what Tennessee has been since Garantano has been there, and just sub him out with any other quarterback. I mean, it, the the odds would have been no, so much against anybody there. Um, you know, Elling, Ellinger wouldn't. You know, like at Texas, it would be a completely different right, story. Right? Exactly. And that, I, I just don't know what there. the answer is. You know? it, a lot of podcasts are talking about it. You know, it's should they fire Jeremy Pruitt? It's like you can't fire the dude in the middle of his second season. At the same time, I saw a stat somewhere else that said 
seven of his 10 games against power five opponents, they've lost by 25 points or more. And that's not, that's not good. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm sorry, Tennessee fans. No, that's not good. Cause, cause I mean, I mean, even think about it the other way around. I mean, what if Tennessee came into that game with Trask or Philippi Franks, you know, I mean, like there's no, there's no way. I mean, it would still, it's not like that would have helped them either. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not that it, it, I don't even know what that says about the difference between Florida and Tennessee, but it, the quarterback is not, we yeah, but be, he's getting he is getting up killed by their fans and and a lot of people that cover the team that I just I'm seeing a lot of uh, it's got to be tough it's got to be tough for him but you know I guess he's got to play better but I like you said he didn't have a whole lot of weapons he doesn't have an offensive line it's a tough situation right exactly just doesn't doesn't have a defense so to they play keep they, they have a week off yeah. and they have to play Georgia. Then they play Mississippi State at home, which I think is a game that they can win. If they're going to save their season, if they're one and four going in that Mississippi State game and they can win it, then they play Alabama. Okay, so that puts them at uh, at two and five. Then they have South Carolina, UAB, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt. Right now, out of those teams, the only I would say Missouri's a loss. Other than that, you could you could still there's still a path. This is much like when they're doing the electoral college. I still see a path to potentially six wins, but you got to beat Mississippi State. <laughs> no, <laughs> no way. Not 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 after what Mississippi. I mean, Mississippi State showed. I mean, that game that game against Kentucky was very frustrating for me to watch because I mean, if if they the, the way Mississippi State figured out. I, I mean, you were talking. We were talking before the game. You were tell, telling me about you know the the missteps of sorting out the quarterback situation at Mississippi state. I mean, they got a guy that can, can pick out lanes to run and uh, Mississippi how, many, state how many games has, between now and when Tennessee plays them. Let me look at their schedule. They play Auburn. Uh, then they have a, they have a bye week before Tennessee. <laughs> oh, forget about it. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to get, you're going to give Joe Moorhead next week to prepare for a Tennessee team that, is and coming I, off of a Georgia, give them Georgia time to get tell their quarterback that. I mean, Tommy Stevens uh, did not, not play. Garrett Schrader time. played. Some reason, uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks ever. Uh, uh, I can never say his for Keaton. Keaton's that's what it is. Keaton Thompson uh, was supposed to be the guy, and he's he's nowhere to be found. Uh, I'm surprised he kind of hasn't played because Schrader. Well, you said they won yesterday. I mean, they did get a pick six from their defense. And we can go ahead and talk about that game real fast, uh, even because even though Mississippi State's not ranked, uh, they went twenty-eight to thirteen. This was a game you watched closely. Kentucky just couldn't quite get over the hump. It seemed like they were right there, but if you look at the the box score, I mean, Mississippi State ran the ball down their throat. Trader, the quarterback, had one hundred twenty-five yards rushing, and Kylan Hill had three touchdowns, one hundred twenty yards rushing. So it didn't matter what uh, Kentucky did; they were fifteen of forty-one passing. Yikes! That's not good for for Sawyer Smith. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Lynn Bowden had a good game, but I'm you know I saw Justin Rowland from our Kentucky site, uh, Cats Illustrated, tweeting, and he made it seem like. You know, this, this season's kind of on a tipping point heading into South Carolina because they have South Carolina, Arkansas, then they have to play Georgia. Um, I think Kentucky's goal is to get back to a bowl game. I know they won 10 games last year, but 
Yeah, I guess you're right. I, you're, they're probably not going to beat. If you're a Tennessee fan, though, you, that has to be your hope is that, hey, maybe we can beat Mississippi State. Right? Well, Mississippi State ain't coming into that game saying we can't. All right, moving we're on. Not gonna be the we should have talked about this game earlier. Uh, Wisconsin, thirty-five to fourteen over Michigan in a game that they got up twenty-eight to nothing, and it was never close. Uh, so this is another, you know, Shea Patterson, kindred spirit with our boy Jarrett, as he's just getting killed. He got pulled from the game uh, for uh, one of the McCaffrey brothers who came in and promptly got uh, knocked out on like a targeting penalty that was just like i mean it was a scary looking play uh but even mccaffrey was three of eight when he got in they put joe milton in you remember him he was from orlando uh famously told me to f mm-hmm. myself <laughs> at, a, at a camp <laughs> sadly well that doesn't really uh, narrow joe, down. joe goes over two and throws an interception uh jonathan taylor 23 carries for 203 yards and Bradrick Shaw, who I forgot. I remember when Bradrick Shaw signed with Wisconsin, I was like, this guy's going to probably win the Heisman. He was this massive running back from Alabama, 6'1", 216. He, he came in the game, got five carries for – or three, excuse me, three carries for 53 yards. But you forget he's even on the team because he's been on the same team as Jonathan Taylor this whole time. He's going to end up with 10,000 career rushing yards. Yeah. Yeah, Wisconsin is, uh, you know, this was another game that I had to game cast, uh, you know, due to. Oh, man, we can live looking. Yeah, highlights. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, just just the same. I mean, I think the, I think the bigger conversation, you know, I, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that Wisconsin played as well as they did in that game at home, uh, getting up for a big Big Ten matchup. But, I mean, you know, now the question is, I mean, you're, you're, looking at, you're looking at what we're getting from Michigan week to week, and it's just not – something's not clicking there offensively, especially. No, there are – I know they had – They hired this new offensive coordinator, and I – and it was Josh Gaddis, and it was speed and space, and this, that, and the third. He he wasn't the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Like he wasn't the play caller. So I didn't. I never understood why we. It was all of a sudden they were going to look like Alabama's offense. I know they have good wide receivers, but it's like they can't protect Shea Patterson at all. He's just getting killed. It doesn't. It's like a situation where it's like it doesn't matter who you put back there. I mean, they're they're not tailoring the offense to to anyone's particular skill set at quarterback, and I I think. That's that's where you end up with. I mean, they can't run. They had forty yards rushing. Well, right, and that's the, that's the difference between. I mean, I mean, as good as you know, theoretically, as good of a program as Michigan can be. I mean, that's the difference between Michigan and Alabama, right? Because you know, you're any other team will have to scheme around the players that they've got, whereas Alabama can, you know, get get the cream of the crop every season. You can afford to go. You can, you can afford to make it about your system first versus the players out there because you know you're always going to get the top of the you know, the top of the barrel, I guess, in that situation. But coming in with no OC experience to a place like Michigan, different conference, different circumstances, you know, I I can, I can see, I can see why it's not working quite as well as everybody had hoped it would. Well, and here's one of the biggest problems I think Michigan is having. And this was happening at the time. I told coach Brown about it. They would recruit at least three or four guys every year where you're like, why is Michigan taking this player? Right. Uh, and I, I'll tell you off the air of, about one, one in particular. I'm ta- I mean, I, I just remember them taking so many players where you're like, you know, 
they're, they're like out thinking themselves here. And then I remember coach Brown, or maybe it was a friend of the show, Tim Sullivan, who told us that Jim Harbaugh thinks he can take an average college football player and through coaching and the program, turn him into, right. you know, their system is going to be the star. Well, guess what? I mean, you know, when you look at these running backs they have, okay, Zach Charbonnet is a talented freshman, but I mean, Christian Turner was a nice high school prospect, but I never thought in a scenario. Where's he? Where's he from? Because the injury. Buford. Because well, the inter- the interesting thing too about I mean if you go back through and I you know this was not my area obviously before but I, I I'd be interested to know like what the comparison is between like Michigan State and Michigan versus the guys that they recruit locally because I you know the thing that I remember looking at Michigan's class year after year especially after Harbaugh's been there it'll be four guys from Michigan four guys from Indiana you know three guys from the you know so and, and in that circumstance it's like you at you end up asking these questions like why are they taking this guy I mean they're not seeing him as much they're not recruit they're not recruiting the area that they that they have available to them you end up taking some chances on some guys probably because you don't have all the information that you should have on them when you're taking them Right. I totally agree. Um, I, and, the, and you are right. I mean, some of the guys that, that they took, I remember one of them was like, the kid was probably going to go to Army, which I guess with the way Army played against them, I shouldn't say that too much about that. But I, I remember like, you know, this kid's going to Army and the next thing you know, he's like, oh, sir, I'm taking official visit to Michigan. And I was like, what? <laughs> to the point where you got to like confirm with the school to make sure he's telling the truth. Uh, and that guy never even played there. Yeah, I mean, he signed there, and that's a scholarship that just went into thin air because he never played. And there were several other guys like that, too. It's like I, I, you can't afford to do that when you're trying to compete with Ohio State. It's fine if you want to win nine games every year, but and I don't know. I don't know what the fan, the pulse of the fans is there, but you know, I'm always told that he's completely safe and, and everything like that. I just – yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how long <laughs> they keep up with that. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they ran Lloyd Carr out of town, so yeah, that's true. So that was, but Wisconsin looks very good. I mean, I think Wisconsin. Speaking of Heisman, if I had to put, if I had to throw down some money on it right now, it would be on Jonathan Taylor. But they, they can only afford to lose one game. They have to play Iowa and Ohio State in. Uh, in a, like a three week stretch there in late October, early November. But if he keeps doing this, I mean, and I mean, he got banged up in the game, but I mean, you want to talk about, you want to talk about a beast. And as uh, everyone will tell you, this is a three star guy, Nick, despite the fact that he was in the rivals two fifty. So, well, yeah. And that's, you know, and that's, that's gotta be twice as frustrating if you're a Michigan fan. Cause you're seeing a, a team like Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin, you know, uh, butters their bread on on some three star guys that they know they can make work versus I don't know whatever whatever Michigan thinks they can do the same with the same sort of players and it's just not working. All right, out. let's go rapid fire. We're running out of time here. Uh, this is can you talk about UCLA sixty seven, Washington State sixty three. This is a game that I fell asleep in. Uh, you went to bed. How much was Washington State up when you went to bed? Yeah, I mean. Oh my, I mean, I mean, this is this is when they. I, I don't remember the exact score. I mean, they had to have been up by three scores. I mean, and, and at home in a late night game. I mean, just the, just the way that Anthony Gordon was playing. I mean, you just didn't see, you just didn't see a path for for a UCLA comeback, especially considering what we've seen from UCLA in every game leading into this one. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think they doubled their season output in points. Washington. 
<laughs> Washington State's quarterback had nine touchdowns and they lost. <laughs> what a ridiculous stat. I don't know how it happened. I mean, I really – like UCLA scored, I think, like four touchdowns in like four minutes or something. And I also – that's when I was like, okay, I have to watch this game now. Uh, but then I was – it was one forty-five in the morning and I fell asleep. And I actually thought to myself because I was watching the end of the Arizona State Colorado game. And I was like, this is why the Pac-12 is a butt of all these jokes. It's like, I love the Pac-12 and I love college football, but it's one forty-five in the morning. I can't stay awake all night and watch this game. So Washington State, I think, had a legitimate chance to, to really make a run. But as I said on the podcast previewing this, they find a way to lose a game like this every year. Yeah, yeah, at least. One, right, where yeah, they just like, sure. it's like UCLA was the butt of all the jokes. Chip Kelly's an idiot. You know, aren't you glad your team didn't hire Chip Kelly? And now they play Arizona, Oregon State, Stanford. They might be four and three, Nick. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't watch enough of them to, to know. I, I mean, j- just, just from the first half that I was watching, I mean, I, everything looked like it was going according to plan. I mean, everybody was looking like they were in the right place at the right time, it, you know? So I, and that was my only exposure to them this, you know, to this season's edition of, of Washington state, but good gracious, you know, <laughs> yeah, UCLA mean, was down 32 points in the third quarter. So Unbelievable. Great, great game for, for UCLA. Uh, Virginia beats Old Dominion 20-17. to 17. This was a game they were down 17-7 to 7 at halftime, and they had to come back, and it was actually – it was close. It was one of these things that – this is why I believe I, I picked uh, Old Dominion to cover, just because when these – throughout the records, when these teams from Virginia or wherever state Old Dominion is gets together. <laughs> Old Dominion's in Virginia, right? I, I remember doing an article uh, – about them for the uh, for the Newport. I remember the paper in Newport News was called like the Newport News News. <laughs> and I was like, what do you call the paper in Newport News? Uh, the Daily Press. But maybe the Newport News Daily Press. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's way too long. How do you even yeah, fit that so, on one page? Uh, I'm I'm worried, you know, going back to the previous conversation about Virginia. I mean, the only, I guess the only thing I'll say about it now, because again, I haven't watched a ton of them. I've just been keeping track of them. But it's like, you know, th- is this a situation where you know a team hasn't been good for a long time, and now they're good, and but they but they don't quite know how to handle their business because you know between between this week and last week, you know they're getting ahead of themselves, thinking that you know we're heavy favorites in this game. I mean, they were down, yeah, they were down ten nothing after the after the end of the first quarter here. The Old Dominion got, you know, taken by surprise. Well, guess what? Virginia beat Pitt thirty to fourteen to open the season, Nick. So I mean, if we're if we're high on, well, sure, but that was the yeah, that's the first game of the season, right? And now, but that's what I'm saying. Like now, here we are, four games later, they're four and zero. Are we going to start seeing yeah, the starts are getting slower and slower for them? I'm just wondering, like, if if confidence is is playing too big a role with their. Do you remember when we were doing that podcast? We, when you're we doing this podcast, we did a whole episode about the Bronco Mendenhall saying his whole team sucked or whatever. Do you remember, do you, do you remember that? <laughs> we need another one of those speeches at this point. I, I feel like they need that. Get, get, give them a kick. Well, in the I'm pants saying that was like 18 here. months ago, and now they're four and zero. So uh, I don't know. Maybe do some better yeah. self scouting. Uh, Washington beats BYU 45 to 19. This is a game I liked BYU in. Uh, to, to keep it close. But Jacob Eason, uh, 
He uh, he is looking very good. Uh, he was 24 of 28 for 290 and three touchdowns. So he continues to have a great season. Sean McGrew, much debated running back at 18 carries uh, for 110 yards. So Washington, they lost to Cal and continue to be ranked ahead of Cal, which this is one of the things that. Well, well I mean, it's 20. It, Cal's okay, 23. Okay, well, guess and Cal's 4 0 and they beat Washington. So can we flip them? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, what, what can you say about Cal's 28 oh, they, to 20 win guess what? In the, a, in the AP poll, now Cal is 15th. So, uh, and, and, and they're ahead of them. In, oh, excuse me, they're ahead of them in both polls. What am I? What are we talking about here? Jeez, I was, or, yeah, so I was looking at the rankings oh. <laughs> headed into this week. Uh, so that was a big win for Washington. Washington's hanging around, but the Pac-12 continues to cannibalize itself. So I'm sure... They'll beat Oregon, and then they'll lose to someone else, and every team will be 8-4, and four, and then we'll all talk about how. That's the other thing we got to hear about. They're eliminated from the playoffs. This is like the equivalent of the UCF discussion. It's like, can we just wait till we get to, like, week 10, you know, before we eliminate every team? Uh, well, yeah. And that's how Utah right, ends up winning right. the conference. Speaking of which, Cal years. now 4-0 and after they go to Ole Miss and win 28-20. to This was a game Ole Miss was actually favored. Uh, a lot of people picked Ole Miss to win, but uh, Cal went down there and easily took care of business. Ole Miss ended up, I think, at some point pulling uh, Matt Corral, who people keep calling Matt Coral on TV, which is really annoying me. And they put in John Reese Plumley, the the true freshman, uh, who actually had had a good game. He had 53 yards rushing. This game, did you did you see the end? No, I didn't really. I didn't really have any interest in this game, but I, because everybody talks about how bad Cal's offense is, though, I mean that's well, but, that's where the narrative's coming from. They also had a, a really wonky schedule here with these, you know, UNT the week before, and all. I tell you what, the Cal Oregon this, game so. might be six to three, <laughs> so it may be a stink fest ninety nine. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Keep an eye on the under. Actually, they play Arizona State this weekend. That might be nine to six. So. <laughs> I know they scored 28 on Ole Miss. They've actually scored 20 points in every game this year. But I mean, they're just not beat to blow. They're not built to blow teams out. They beat UC Davis by 14. They beat North Texas by six. So uh, I don't know though. Cal sneaky. Justin Wilcox, my childhood idol, when he was playing for Junction City, uh, came into Cottage Grove and really put a licking on the Lions. Uh, now look at him, head coach at, at Cal. Uh, the game I mentioned, I stayed up late for yeah. Arizona State loses to Colorado, thirty-four, thirty-one. This was a this was a great win for Colorado. They're three and one. Arizona State, they're three and one. This is another cannibalistic thing. This this game was pretty entertaining, but I didn't really t- watch a whole lot of it except the end. Uh, so we don't got to talk about it. And then last but not least, SMU in a Womack lock of the week beats TCU. 41 to 38. SMU is a nine point underdog in this game, Nick. Well, I mean, we got a quick education on them, you know, coming out of that North Texas game. I mean, that, that was a real, that was a real statement moment for me and my perception of SMU, because I mean, you look at that, I mean, you look, you look at that defense of theirs and you're like, who are these people? I mean, even for, even for somebody like me who, you know, who, who had taken a shine to, you know, recruits that had gone to some of these uh, group of five and, you know, sub tier programs and, um, you know, and I'm not even really familiar with you, with anybody that they have out there, but you know, the difference is, uh, you know, S- Sonny Dykes is, is doing, doing some favors for himself, turning, turning that program around, you know, slinging the ball, the transfer portal. I mean, has just, this, this, I mean, when you see, when you see all these quarterbacks, 
um, you know, announced <laughs> that they're going to the transfer portal. And you're like, well, there's only so many places that, you know, that they could, I mean, what, what situation are they putting themselves in that's better than the one that they're leaving? And here we go. Shane Bruchel doesn't, you know, just has to go right up 35 to, to Dallas and it's a whole different ball game for him. Yeah, and guess what? Their their leading tackler was Richard McBride, who I'm going to look up. I'm pretty sure transferred from Auburn. Um, I think I remember him, Richard McBride, rivals. Yeah, outside linebacker. I remember Richard McBride. He was a four-star, number 244 player in the country from Troy, Alabama. Yeah. Under Armour All-American, once again. Um, yeah, he, he transferred. So, Basically, their best defensive player and their best offensive player are both transfers. But, I mean, is that surprising? I mean, that's what you have to do, you know, operating at schools of this ilk. How long has James Prochi been in school? I feel like he's like a 20th year senior. Was he on the team with like Chad Morris? I guess he's a senior now. Um, he's having a good year for them, the wide receiver. But I, I do feel like, yeah, I guess he's he's had at least 700 yards every year of his uh, career. But Sonny Dykes, the former Cal coach, he's got them playing Texas-style football. I, I really like SMU. They're 4-0. And, and maybe, hey, watch out, Boise State. Maybe they are, they're in the mix for that old uh, Power 5 or, excuse me, uh, New Year's Day 6 bowl game scenario because they could easily run through the American if they keep playing the way they are. Mm-hmm. So that wraps it up for us, Nick. You got anything else you want to talk about? No, no, no. Happy to. Uh, ho- hopefully, hopefully we can we can get this one uh, on air on like our last <laughs> our last attempt. All right, you know what we had a, and I told that suitcase story, which I still haven't told because okay. uh, nobody heard it. I'm oh, not going to yeah. retell it to you. Yeah, I need no. to tell it to, to Lackford because he's the only one who hasn't heard it. <laughs> okay. But in in an outside the line storylines update for you. I still haven't heard from the person who said they were going to get me a gift. So, <sighs> boy, well, yeah. I—I I mean, that ship sailed long ago, I believe, at this point. <laughs> All right, we—that wraps it up for us. Uh, we so great, great to have Nick back. Hopefully, we can do it again sometime. If you want to, Nick, do you do any tweeting or no? You're done to tweeting. Well, I just don't. Uh, just I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to limit my yeah. <laughs> Trying to limit my exposure to, to things like that when I can, now that I don't have to do it 24 hours a day. But <laughs> All right. So, well, you could still tweet it, Nick. You have not tweeted since May 31st. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how about some hot takes? We need some takes from you, by the way, yeah. on sports. Okay. Uh, all right. So that wraps it up for us. We will be back uh, with me and Rob later in the week uh, to give our picks. By the way, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna brag. Well, I can't brag. I'm with twelve and seven this week. So, boy, I'm making people rich out here. Yeah. Uh, so, Nick, thanks for joining us. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Tell a friend, and we'll be back with another episode next week.